today very special episode right here so you know i love talking with real estate people and today is no exception we have this great great guy his name is charles seaman he's currently serves as a managing member and a senior acquisitions manager senior acquisitions manager of three oaks management llc which is actively works to locate hard performing multifamily real estate deals throughout the south east region in the u.s Charles has 14 years of commercial real estate experience in New York City. So I'm very privileged to have you on today and uh, I'm sure we're gonna discuss some great, great topics. So thank you for being here, Charles. Thank you very much for having me, Martinez. Thank you, thank you. So, you know, for the people again, who would love to hear your story, cause I love having, you know, uh, guests just like yourself. Cause everybody, again, they're in the same business, multifamily commercial property, but everybody kind of have their own story to tell. So maybe you can tell, you know, uh, this audience, what is your story? How did you came across real estate investing? And uh, I mean, what happened? What happened in, yes, in the business? Absolutely. So for me, I, I kind of stumbled into it. It wasn't something that I, I had this great big elaborate plan and said I wanted to go out and become a real estate investor. Uh, what really happened was I started working for a guy who, amongst other things, was a commercial real estate investor. And I didn't really have any direction. I was 20 years old. And then um, I was fortunate to work for, for, for this guy for 14 years and I got the experience in a lot of different industries, one of them being commercial real estate. And of all the different businesses and properties that he owned, I realized that commercial real estate was the one that I gravitated most to. And there, there's so many different businesses out there, but real estate to me is really a special one because it's something that everybody needs and there's constant demand for it. And regardless of how, how new or how old you look, if you go back thousands and thousands of years to medieval times, you'll see the same thing where the wealthy people were always the ones that controlled the land. And that hasn't changed. So my goal was to figure out how I put myself in that category. <laughs> and that's what really motivated me to start learning more and more about real estate. So around 2015 or 16, I decided to start venturing out and looking for some of my own deals. And I, I initially said, okay, you know what? I, I was looking at single family and wholesaling and things like that. But after dabbling in them for a couple of months, I realized that I really didn't have any interest in them. So I thought to myself, I said, you know what? I, I'm doing larger commercial deals at work. I said, why can't I do these on my own? And I thought about it. I said, well, the one difference was I don't have millions of dollars to sink in there myself currently. <laughs> so I said, okay, what can I do? And that's what prompted me to learn about syndication. So I said, you know what? It, it, it made me more aware that I was able to use other people's money. And I said, I had the skill and the expertise to, to run these deals, but I didn't have the capital. So after I learned about syndication, then I, then I worked on building a team to go out there and successfully acquire properties and, and raise capital from other investors to partner with them. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. So great story, you know, so again, because I thought you're going to come up with something, you know, like rich that poor that because that's an entry point for, for a lot of, you know, real estate people kind of the books or, you know, the friends you know, like, oh, there's, there's this business opportunity available. But, you know, again, everybody has their own entry point into the business. You know, for the people who are looking for that entry point, because again, people are like, they're hungry for that financial freedom and for the opportunities to become wealthy throughout real estate. Again, for the active, from the active standpoint or from the passive standpoint, what would you recommend for the people if they're kind of fresh in real estate, what, what they sh where they should start with that? So if you're looking to be passive, their biggest concern, in my opinion, is really vetting the operators. 
you, you want to find a good syndicator you work with. You want to really vet them and make sure you feel confident in them. Make sure you have a good relationship and make sure that they're going to address any concerns that you have when you invest with them. Uh, if you're looking to be active, I think there's a lot more components because aside from just having relationships with the operators and being confident in their ability to perform, you're really the one that's doing all the, the vetting of the deals. And that's whether you're looking at single family or, or 200 unit apartment complexes. That's not going to change. The way that you vet them may change a little bit because there's more intricacies when you deal with larger apartment buildings. But what I would say to start out is to first educate themselves and then after that, to go out there and find a mentor or somebody that they can work with that will give them some guidance. Mm-hmm. And I think that will be absolutely crucial because, you know, most people need somebody that will hold their hand a little bit as they start out because they need that, that kick in the butt when things don't go as they expect them to. Yeah, 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 definitely. So, you know, like touching the self-educational personal development side, you know, coaching. So would you recommend to get somebody, a six-figure mentor, let's say from a get-go, if they're kind of a fresh in a business or should they go and grab a few books? What's the best approach here when starting out? If they're just starting out, I would definitely definitely start with free education. I would go with books. I would go with Bigger Pockets. Bigger Pockets is a great resource. And it's one that I, I didn't use as much as I should have until about last year. Um, but it's, it's got a lot of good free information and, and some great forums that you connect with people and interact on there. Yep. So I would recommend starting with free. And I would never discourage somebody from going out and buying like a professional education course from one of these uh, you know, various gurus that are out there. But what I would say is it's not the route that everybody needs to take. I, I actually did take courses with one of them. And I, and I, for the most part, have only good experiences to share about them. But I wouldn't tell anybody to go out and spend 30, 40, 50,000 unless they're financially able to, and unless they feel that's the path they want to go. Because there's a lot of ways that you could find people willing to mentor you for free or low cost. And, you know, if you can do that, that'll serve you the same purpose in a lot of the cases. Yeah, definitely agree. I agree with that. So again, maybe maybe you can explain the business strategy, you know, and the investment investing side of it. Because again, you're from New York City, right? And can yeah. you explain people why you're investing in Southeast, Southeast region in the U.S.? What's the reason for that, for the people who are, you know, don't know what, what's yes, happening? Absolutely. Three reasons. One, the cost of just about anything in New York City is absurd. Two, tenant landlord laws are absolutely terrible, worse than the nation. <laughs> and three, uh, the Southeast has a lot of, a lot of, economic, um, a, a lot of economic events that are occurring. A lot of jobs being created. So right now, there's a migration in our country. People are leaving the Northeast. They're leaving the Midwest. They're going to the Southeast and they're going to Texas. Those are the two spots that people really want to be in. And the reason for that is they want to get away from the higher taxes. They want to get away from the, the colder weather. And they, they want to go to areas where jobs are being created and booming. So that, that's really my reason for focusing on the Southeast. Yeah, got it. So what, what is your investment criteria? What, what you're actually focusing on? Like what, what do you have in the pipeline currently? So right now we have a, a 48 unit deal under contract in Sumter, South Carolina. Normally we, we don't really look at tertiary markets, but this one happened to fall into our laps. We got an off market deal from a broker that we deal with and the numbers made sense. The area looked good when we checked it out. So I, I couldn't find any reason not to invest in it. <laughs> uh, generally speaking, we usually look for deals in the $5 million to $25 million range. That's usually our general price point. And, and we, we usually say we like them 100 units and above, but a really main criteria more than 100 units is that they're able to support full-time staff because that's usually a big thing for us if the deals outside of our local area because we want to make sure that our investors are protected and that they feel confident knowing that there's eyes and ears on the property at all times to, to watch the asset and make sure it performs 
Got it. Got it. You know, talking about, you know, um, investor protection, you know, again, you, you, you're actively involved into the, you know, real estate business and, you know, people are talking about upcoming, you know, uh, economic event, you know, the economic crash that people are talking about. So maybe you can tell people like how, should they, or maybe from your perspective or from your business, how do you position yourself for that, you know, when it comes to the investing? So the only way you can really position yourself for that is by buying right in the first place. If you're paying too much at the beginning, that's a mistake you're never going to be able to recover from. Because mm -hmm. you're, you're always fighting from behind at that point. That doesn't work out good. <laughs> so you, you have to buy right. That's important. You have to know your market. You have to see what other assets are priced at. And you have to make sure that you're paying a price that's, to measure it with the financial performance of that property. If you're paying too much, which a lot of people got greedy and made that mistake in 2005 and six and seven, and I think we are seeing Oregon now, then they're gonna be wiped out when you do have a downturn. So the best way to protect yourself is simply to know your market and to buy right. That's what I would tell you. Yeah, yeah, so again, underwriting, you know, so yeah. what, is, is, there, is there any ways that you would recommend like people, you know, to mitigate the risks, you know, when it comes to like investing? So for the passive investors, I think it really comes down to just knowing your operator. And, yeah. and so sometimes that's not always an easy thing to do because there's a lot of, you know, we live in an age where you have a lot of information available, but the problem is sometimes there's too much information. Yeah. Um, I, I would say one is you want to see the track record of the people involved in the organization, how much real estate experience they have and how much specifically uh, multifamily or commercial experience that they, that they have based on the actual sector they're working in. You want to make sure that they're competent operators. You know, generally speaking, I would tell people you want operators that focus in one geographic region so they really know their area well. And if you're somebody that's bouncing all over different parts of the country, it's really impossible to know so many areas so well by yourself. Now, obviously, you can expand them. You can have a team, and that always helps a lot. But you know, to me, I want somebody who's an expert at what they're doing. I want somebody who's the best at what they do. And in order to do that, you need to focus. You need to yep. focus on one specific area or region or really get to know that area or region like the back of your hand. And, and really, that's the best protection I would tell investors. Do your due diligence on the operators that you're looking to invest with and make sure that you feel comfortable with them. Definitely, definitely. Couldn't agree more. So, and, and one yeah. more thing I would also say, some investors like this and some don't, but for those that are more savvy with, with financials and they understand how to read them, I would say if there's something that you don't feel confident with about a deal your syndication group is presenting to you, ask them for their underwriting. Most times they will share it with you, take a look at it, and, and see if it looks like a deal that you would feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I, I know, like, again, people are watching and thinking, like, man, why are you, like, why are you guys talking about passive investing? Like, I want to be active in the deals. But I came across multiple, like, countless of people that actually learned the syndication business from passive investing standpoint. So, I mean, it's, yes. it's definitely a good entry point. So, again, like maybe you can talk about how do you structure the deals and the returns for people who are investing passively? Like just give yeah. a few examples how it looks like. So, on the first deal we did in September, we had done a 60-40 split, 60% for the passive investors, 40% for the GP management team. Mm -hmm. um, we offered a 7% preferred return. And on that one, our projected returns are somewhere between 16 and 18% annually. So, that, that was how the return was structured for the the investors at that one. Uh, going forward, we're probably going to do a 70-30 split on most deals. And the reason for that is simply because that, that's what most other syndicators are doing. That seems to be the most common split out there. So one of the challenges my partners and I realize is that even though you know, we like the 60-40 split from our, from our standpoint, uh, it's a lot harder to sell to investors because less and less proof are doing that at this point in the cycle. 
So in order to be competitive, 70-30 is what we're probably going to be doing going forward. And we're still going to offer the 7% preferred return because I'm seeing a lot of groups offering preferred returns. Most of them are between 6 and 8%. So, so I feel 7 is realistic. 8 is a little bit pushing it. You're seeing less and less of those. But 7 is an amount that most investors feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first of all, can you explain to people again who maybe maybe they're just coming across real estate multifamily investing for the first time? So maybe you can explain what is the 70-30 split and what is the preferred return so they will understand. Yes, what absolutely. Sure. So, so when I'm saying like a 70-30 split, what that means is any syndication deal has two, two parts to it. It has an LP, which are limited partners. And those are people who are just strictly a passive investors. They give money. They have no say in the deal. All they do is give money and receive a return on it. And then there's GP, which is general partners. Those people are the ones that actively run the deals. So they're going to be in charge of finding it. They're going to do all the due diligence. They're going to raise all the capital from various investors to close it. And then they'll be the ones overseeing the asset management during the, the life of the deal. So uh, what happens is the LP is getting compensated for putting the money in. The GP is getting compensated for putting, putting work and effort in. And some, some, in some cases, the GP will invest in their deals also. Uh, so they may get compensation for that as well, but they're getting compensated for their performance and their, their, their work to get the deal closed and to make sure it performs. So when we're talking about splits, most deals offer the LPs more than the GP. And uh, like in ours, we will offer 70% for the LPs, 30% for the GP, because that's a, a pretty common split. Now, preferred return, in simplest terms, what that means is the investors are getting paid before the GP. And a lot of investors like to know that because the last thing anybody wants to do is invest money with somebody and realize that they're taking their money before you get paid. You're taking all the risk and, and they're the ones getting paid first. So that's one of the benefits to real estate syndication over you know, even investing in like mutual funds. Um, while I personally do like equities and stocks and things like that, I, I personally hate mutual funds. And one of the reasons is because you're taking all the risk as the investor but they're getting paid first. So whether, whether you make money or not, they're still making money. With, with a well-structured syndication, that won't happen. So our interest is aligned with their interest because we make money if they make money. Yeah, yeah, okay. So maybe you can explain to people again, you, you know, similar topic here we, we like that I want to discuss because I know there's a lot of people actually investing in the, in the stock market. Well, I wouldn't call it investing, but you know, they, they have money, they have their money in there. So. What's the difference again for the people because they think like, look, I have a, you know, it's a stock market. It's kind of a passive. I don't have to do anything besides, you know, checking my, you know, Yahoo finance or whatever, you know, they do. So newspaper. So what, what, what is the difference? Like, why should I go from, you know, investing in the stocks again, which is like, it's, it's a passive, it's doing the work for me, you know, like I'm getting a few percent and investing into like multifamily, like, you know, can you talk about the tax benefits and, you know, returns, you know, just a few things. So, in terms of tax benefits, let me, let me disclose, I am not an accountant, so you should definitely consult with your accountant or financial professional. But the, the biggest tax benefit from real estate is really depreciation. So you get the benefit of what they call phantom income by being able to depreciate certain parts of the property and realizing those benefits through tax savings. Um, so that, that's a great benefit for any type of real estate. Now, in terms of why they would invest with one versus the other, here's what I would tell you. Most people have, in my opinion, the wrong philosophy on money management. And their philosophy is that they want to diversify by having multiple multiple assets in the same asset class. So they, they diversify by investing in stocks or equities, and they may be in a mutual fund that has positions in 80 different stocks. But the problem is 
if the stock market crashes, regardless of what 80 stocks you have, there's a good chance your wealth is probably going to go with it. Real diversification isn't so much by asset, it's by asset class. So it's putting some money in stocks, some money in real estate, some money in commodities, because all of the markets will crash, but they crash at different times. So by having money in different asset classes, the way you're protecting yourself is by saying, okay, this market's crashing, let me take money out of there and shift it to a different market that's not there. So, so you're able to better position yourself in the event of any catastrophic disaster like 2008. Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, so, you know, coming back to the personal development, you know, like people ask me a lot this question. I mean, it's fairly simple, but, you know, like the books, you know, because everybody think it's the best way to learn, you know, real estate investing. So, again, you, you didn't mention, you know, like I mentioned, like Robert Kiyosaki, but maybe you can recommend a few books for people besides Robert Kiyosaki that they can go and, you know, educate themselves about, you know, real estate investing and what it takes to, to, to start a business in real estate. So, so just because you mentioned his name, I, I am a big fan of Kiyosaki, and I would probably recommend most of his books, but we'll, we'll go for others aside from him. So for those looking specifically for syndication, there really aren't a ton of good books on syndication, but one of the big ones would be the, the Real Estate Syndication book. That's by Joe Fairless. He's one of the biggest syndicators out there. And uh, for anybody starting out, that's probably a pretty comprehensive overview of the syndication process. So that's certainly one that I would recommend. Um, you know, specifically syndication here, and I would say that's probably the big one, actually. There are some other books out there on capital raising. And I think that's an important topic because there's a lot of confusion and a lot of misinformation on it. Uh, there's one book that uh, Kim, Kim Taylor wrote last year. She's a, an SEC attorney. You get the name of the book. I think it's Raising Private Capital. Uh, but if you Google her name, I'm sure that'll come up. And that would probably be a good book for a lot of people to read because if you're going to get in this business, you should really understand the rules about capital raising because there's a lot of things that you can and can't do. And if you don't understand those, you get yourself into a lot of trouble. Yeah, de definitely. I mean, the education part has to be covered like thoroughly. <laughs> you know, I got the yes. book, as you see in the background, you know, like, we, you know, best ever syndication, like apartment syndication book. Definitely a must read for anybody who's getting a wallet into the business, you know, so, but can we talk about yourself again? Because, like, I didn't see in the bio, so I just would love to ask you, like, what sure. did you do prior to investing into real estate? And, like, how did you make that transition? I mean, have you done a, you, you've been an employee or you did a W-2? Like, what, where have you been before? So, prior to that, I was W-2 for 14 years. The, the, the investor that I worked for owned several different businesses. He had a plumbing company. He had bars and restaurants. He had commercial real estate. He had nightclubs, he had you know, a lot of different businesses. And basically, I helped him manage all of his different businesses and properties. So I was able to get a lot of good experience in different industries. Uh, and, but it, it got to a point that I stood there for 14 years. You know, I was 20 years old when I started there. I was 34 when I left. And I said, you know what, I'm not getting any younger. And I would always wanted to go out and do my own thing. And I said, you know what, the longer you stay at a job, the, the problem is the more comfortable you get because you get used to having a consistent income. You're used to having stability. And the problem with that is then you don't want to leave it. <laughs> so I said, you know what? I'm 34. Uh, well, at least I was last year when I, when I left now. I'm 35. And I said, I'm single. I don't have any kids. So I don't have any real significant obligations that, okay, even if things are absolutely terrible, I need to uh, say, okay, you know, you know, listen, how am I going to feed my family or anything like that? So I said, let's go for it and just go all in on my own business. Because if I, if I don't do it, I'll just keep staying with that W2 job and moving along to the snail's pace. And, and while I was at the W2 job, I was still putting in 10 to 15 hours a week at nighttime and on weekends. 
But the problem with that is it's not enough. If you want to make real strides in this business, you need to be putting in, you know, at least 20 hours a week, but I would say really 40. You know, you need a full-time week the same time, the same way you would at any job. And the more you do it, the more proficient you become, the better relationships you build. And it, there's all different things that go into it. So, you know, for, for my part of it, it's really broker relations. You know, I'm on the phone with brokers, go have lunch with brokers, you, you go to a properties with brokers. So it's keeping those relationships and having more time to do it is, is big. Um, I knew that I was going to take a hit in my income for the first year or two. And I said, you know what, that, that's realistic. It's like, you know, you have to expect that if you're leaving a, a decent paying job that you're probably going to take a hit. And I said, okay, it is what it is. But it's with a longer vision in mind saying, okay, that if I don't put this time in now, then I'll never get the success that I want out of this business. Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, got it. So, and I mean, you, you, you just put your best foot forward and it was like, man, I, I need to do this thing. And you, you never looked back, you know, and, no. and you, figure, you figure things out, man. So that, that's what it takes. I mean, you got it. You got it. So that, that is awesome. You know, again, before we wrap up, can you just tell people, share a few business goals? Cause again, this is a brand new year still <laughs> just a few business goals that you're looking, looking to accomplish for your business this year. Sure. sure. So my partners and I had some discussions about that right around the new year. And we said our goal for this year was to have a minimum of three deals closed, 500 units. So we have one that's in the contract now, which is good. Uh, it is a little smaller than we want. It's only 48 units. Right? So we'll have to make the, the next ones bigger to make sure we hit that goal. But it's, it's, it's a step in the right direction that at least there's forward, forward moving progress. And, and the other things I would say in terms of goals are just to you know, improve the relationships that we have with existing brokers and to meet new ones that'll be additional sources of deals. And, and conversely, on the investor side, my partner Adam handles that. So he has similar goals on the investor side. It's always strengthening your investor relations and then putting yourself in a position to meet new ones where you can go out there and then eventually build relationships to have them comfortable to invest with you. Got it, got it. So you, you, you got some pretty decent, I mean, you have some pretty, pretty decent, what, what I'm talking about, big goals, big goals for this year, man. So I'm, I'm sure you're going to accomplish that and go beyond that, you know, but uh, for that, that means, again, you need the connections, you need the people. And with that note, what will be the best uh, social media platforms for people if they are looking to get some business advice, if they were looking to invest passively into the deals, where do they can get, uh, get in contact with you? Yes. So I'll give you three. The first one's Twitter. They can reach me at C-S-E-A-M-A-N-316. They could also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just put my name in there, Charles Seaman, S-E-A-M-A-N. And they can find me on Bigger Pockets, which is probably the one I'm most active on because you know, I, I find a, a great wealth of value in there. So I recommend anybody looking to invest in real estate, go over there and just search for me by name there as well, Charles Seaman, S-E-A-M-A-N. Yeah, and yeah. I can send you over some links after if you want to include them with the show notes. Oh, yeah, of course. It's, it's going to be included in the show notes. Everything, guys, down below. Just click one of the links and go in contact with, uh, with uh, Charles. Just ask him questions if you're looking to, to get invested. This is, again, like this is a great guy with like 14 plus years experience like in real estate. So, you know, what, what I can say, you know, this is a good time to invest. So definitely go, 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 go and do some investing, guys. You know, so again. Uh, I really appreciate the time because I know like it's it's quite a quick interview because that's probably how you roll in New York City. Everything's quick. You see this man is, is talking quick, but he's moving fast and accomplishing big, big things. So, you know, it's a, it's a pleasure to getting to know you, even though it's a quick, you know, interview. But, uh, you know, guys, if you enjoy this interview, you know what to do. Click like, subscribe to the channel, go and check it out. Charles uh, links, go and 
get in contact with him, ask him a bunch of questions. And uh, again, it's been a pleasure, man. So, you know, hopefully we can get in contact sometimes, you know, in the future and maybe have a longer discussion. Yes, absolutely. I like that. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, guys. So again, this has been a money show with Martinez and Charles Seaman. Go and get in contact with him. And uh, as always, I'm going to see you on the next episode. Thanks very much. Thank you very much.